This is Austin Real Estate Investing. Austin Real Estate Investing. We'll be discussing real estate investing in Austin, Texas, and bringing you experts from all different sectors of the real estate game. Your host, Jordan Moorhead, is a real estate agent and investor in Austin and is here to help you get started or to build your portfolio and explore new strategies. Hi, this is Jordan Moorhead. This is Austin Real Estate Investing. Today we have Cedric Mahu. I may have butchered that. He will tell you how to say it right. He's going to tell us all about his experience here in Austin and how he ended up where he is today. Hey, Cedric, how are you? Hi, Jordan. I'm doing good. Thank you. How are you doing? Doing well. Real quick for the audience, because I kind of feel like I butchered your name a little bit there. Could you pronounce your last name for us? Sure. Mayu. Mayu. It's French. It's not easy. Yeah. <laughs> not easy when you speak English. Um, love France, though, by the way. Um, so real quick, Cedric, who are you and how are you involved with real estate investing? Sure. Uh, so as you can hear, I'm French. Uh, PhD chemist by training. I uh, came to the U.S., after my PhD, the idea was to stay a year. This has been 17 years, so kind of a change of plan here. Mm -hmm. uh, right now, I'm in Austin. Uh, I'm in the manager uh, uh, in R&D department in a chemical company here. Uh, that's for my W-2 job. And I actually started my real estate career, I would say, uh, just two, three years uh, ago, actually. Something I always thought about mm -hmm. uh, to do, but always focusing on my W-2 corporate job and that's pretty much what I learned and what I was taught when I was a kid my parents told me go to school get good grades get diploma get a job a good job make money retire and enjoy so I've been focusing on this pretty much um, but several uh, years later there's different components that came into my life and we can develop that further if you want but pretty much started to decide to to dive into real estate, uh, I got exposed to different things that made me look at that more, uh, I mean, deeper. And uh, since then, I've been investing um, in a single family home, started like uh, with this, hard money lending as well. Oh. Um, right now, focusing on commercial multifamily and also capital raise and also doing a bit of uh, angel investment, helping some startup here in Austin. That's awesome. Um, real quick, because I'm curious, I, kn I know how real estate works in the United States. How does it look buying a house in France? So it's a different story. So pretty much, I mean, I haven't looked into that into depth because I really started my real estate career like just a few years ago. I've been in the U.S., mm -hmm. although two, three years ago, I went back to where I live and I wanted to buy a place, you know, like some um, maybe an apartment to rent like Airbnb. I'm mm -hmm. from a place which uh, people go for vacation. So I thought that may be a good investment. Mm -hmm. And it was pretty eyes opening to see some of the differences with the U.S., like some of the opportunities we do have here. Like, for instance, here you can use uh, some of your retirement money, right? If you go with a self-directed, a solo for one case, something like that, you have all these kind of approach. You can use avenues. Mm -hmm. uh, in France, specifically, you cannot necessarily do that. Uh, there is other things to we discuss, and there are some limitations in what you can do. And at the same time, um, depending where you are, you don't make, you cannot have a good uh, revenue income as much, I mean, you cannot, it cannot be as good as what we can have in the U.S. as well. So it's kind of a different market. 
the pros, some of the pros you do have actually that interest rates are almost inexistent, I would say, yeah. uh, below 1%. Um, but even with this, it's, uh, it's kind of difficult to find some, some deals. I'm sure some people would say, well, I'm able to make a living out of there. And, and you can, depending where you buy. Uh, but it's difficult. I have some friends investing actually in in France, uh, and they say it's not as easy. I wouldn't say easy, but they don't have as many um, options as we do have here. Okay, where are you from in France? I'm from a place from Bordeaux, so people who know the wine. So I'm, I'm I grew up by the by the ocean actually. Um, oh, nice cool. place from there, and uh, that's uh, one of the reasons actually. When I moved to the U.S., I went to uh, ended up first in Detroit, Michigan. Oh. And after a while, I went to, to the Bay Area. So I was close to Napa and Sonoma. So it was pretty enjoyable to get back to some, some of the roots, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's awesome. I, I love France. I spent a lot of time in the, the south of France, but not so much outside of the ocean areas. And it's a lot of fun. Um, so Cedric, you know, you got started real estate investing single family, and now, now you've moved on to multifamily and lending. Why did you choose to invest in Austin? Is it just a function of being in Austin? It's a combination of both. You know, I mean, I was looking at, first, I mean, you want to find the market you like, right? Looking mm -hmm. at different criteria, and you want to make sure that, I mean, pretty much the market checked the box. And at the same time, yes, being here actually helps because to establish connection, you know, meeting people, the teams, the brokers, everybody having, at least if you can, a face-to-face, -face, knowing the area actually helps a lot. So that's why we, I started to, to invest here in, in Austin. That's the main reason. I'm also looking at other markets with different partners. Um, so it depends on, on, pretty much depends on the market, the number and the people you invest with. I mean, as long as I like the people. All the other criteria are met. I'm, I'm willing to invest anywhere else. Awesome, yeah. Obviously, the numbers are important and the people are important in real estate. But you know, Austin is an amazing market, and like you, you alluded to, it certainly is easier to operate in this market if you are located in this market right here every day. Um, not that you can't do it from somewhere else, but it's a little easier to operate in a crazy market like Austin when you're sitting in Austin. Yeah, it's nice to have someone like at least boot on the ground, as as you say, right? I mean, I know some people who do very well uh, doing investment long distance, uh, but for sure having someone on site, like even especially when uh, when you acquire a property and you need to be on the top, you know, I mean, talking to contractor, depending if you do that on your own or not, right? Property managers, anybody, right? It's it's better to have someone here who can check how things are going. Yeah, absolutely. Having a good team very important. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Cedric, we talked a little about you, you're, you're a W-2 still in your career in chemical engineering. Um, what attracted you to real estate investing initially? Because it sounds like your, your upbringing, you were taught, get a W-2, get good grades, and, and get this awesome career. How did you change lanes there? Have you wanted to be part of GoBundance, the tribe of millionaires, but just haven't hit that millionaire status yet? Well, now you can, not even being a millionaire, by joining our new program, GoBundance Emerge. My name's Jamie Gruber, creator of GoBundance Emerge and member of the GoBundance community. And now you can join GoBundance.com slash Emerge, GoBundance.com slash Emerge. Use code Jordan for $100 off this 12-week goal-setting program and mastermind that'll propel you to being a whole life millionaire. So... Actually, maybe three or four reasons for that. So 
as mentioned, so I was pretty much following the path I was taught to follow. Um, and so by the age I was 30, uh, I was working in a Fortune 500 company in California, uh, in the Bay Area. So, I mean, pretty much I was right on track of what I was taught to do, kind of living the, the dream, you know? Yeah. And, um, and uh, my wife has a seminar uh, path career. Actually, she's a PhD chemist as well and started to work in a biotech and we were 30 and we thought like we made it, you know, that's it, you know? So... We, like, we love traveling, so we continue doing this more. Like, we have gone through 30 countries. Oh. Uh, we were living close to Napa and Sonoma, so enjoying all the, the restaurant, the winery um, that California has to offer, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, we were traveling once a month, but pretty much in this, uh, I would say, mindset, consumer mindset, right? Like, uh, uh, making good money, working hard, and spending hard as well. Yeah. Um, and then... Um, Related to real estate, so I thought about that when I was younger. I thought like house flipping is pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. And um, I didn't do anything because I thought to make money, you need to do everything by yourself, uh, which was kind of a naive approach, but that's what I thought. And um, so I put that on the side. I was always focusing on, the, on my studies and my career. Um, when I was in California, uh, we were able to buy a house uh, in 2011 after the recession. And we're able to sell it back uh, five years later with a pretty good appreciation, 60% on the house, because we bought at the right moment on the market. Yeah. In my interest in real estate, I just thought, hey, we were lucky. So I guess next time I would have to wait for the next market cycle, which could be now, actually, uh, to maybe invest to something. That's how much I knew, maybe I didn't know about real estate. And uh, the other thing that, that came into place is... Um, so we had some kids, we have kids, and um, actually at the same time, when you look at your kids, you think, hey, I want, I want to be able to, um, to give them the opportunity to enjoy the world, and that pretty much changed your, your, your vision, at least for me. And at the same time, I thought, I want to give them a legacy, and have the time, I mean, have enough time to spend with them. You know, I love what I'm doing in my job. I want eventually to be able, in a few years down the road, to spend more time, quality time, and help them discover the world and potentially give back as well to the community. Uh, the example I take is, uh, uh, let's go first into Africa and help build a school or build a well or something, you know, give back because it's so fruitful to do something like that. You know, it's kind of a human experience and I think it's worth living. And we were looking with my wife, okay, how are we going to do that and, and be able to, um, to accomplish these goals and travel and, and bring them, give them what, what they they want what they need. And when you look at the system, we really realize that, you know, like the system has really some limitations. So if you look at, for instance, when you look at a saving account, right, you go to the bank and I don't want to criticize anybody, but if you go to a bank right now that the interest they can propose is 0.5%, okay, great. At the same time, if you look at the inflation rate from March to April, it's 0.9%. So that's kind of, okay, that's weird. So I'm saving money, but I'm not really saving money, right? I'm, I'm, it's not, Based on the, the market, it doesn't work like that. Yeah. And at the same time, I saw some experience, some, some events, I would say, especially after the recession, the first one I saw where actually I could see people literally losing hundreds of thousands of dollars with their retirement account because everything was in stock, you know, and the fund and everything. And there was nothing they could do about that. So pretty much some people who were supposed to retire had to stay working longer to rebuild their portfolio and get enough money income to leave, right? And so we really realized that, okay, there's really some limitation here. What else can we do, you know? I mean, to, to build our wealth and make sure that the money we work hard to get is going to work hard for us as well. 
And that's how actually we started to look, uh, well, in real estate. And the other thing that happened is um, I found a video of Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad Poor Dad, on YouTube, yeah. and which is pretty cliche because everybody said that. And uh, But that's true. And that's really when I saw what he was talking about and really realizing I was exactly the example he was describing, you know, people living in a good house, good car, whatever, and living, showing the limitation of the system. I said, well, that's me. And I realized, okay, there's something else I can do there. And I also found some video of uh, Brendan Turner, Bigger Pockets uh, on YouTube, which is a lot of free content. And all this stuff together, like, make me really realize, and my wife as well, to, okay, maybe we can do something else. So still continuing the corporate world, but at the same time, trying to create some passive income uh, to, to meet our goal, what we want to achieve in life. And also, I think it's important, it became even more relevant when you look at with the COVID, right? I mean, can you see how many people lost their job, which is terrible, and you think you depend on a job, assuming you're able to get maintain this passive income, that could be another revenue stream that can protect you and help you to survive as well. So that's how, long story short, <clears throat> that's how I decided to, to dive into real estate. That's something I had a long time uh, in mind. And by this eye-opening midlife crisis, whatever you call it, I really realized like um, I'm also an entrepreneur by heart. So it's really something I want to explore on the side. And I want to, to dive further, looking at opportunities. Can we, can we do something, you know? And also help the community. That's why right now I'm diving into the commercial multifamily because you can buy some single-family home, duplex, triplex. And at the same time, if you compare that and you buy, like, say, 100 apartments, the impact you can have on the society by helping these people, by trying to improve the quality of life, is bigger. I'm not really a patient guy um, by definition. And when I see that I can affect and positively or fully impact the life of maybe 100 families or something, I feel better than just one or two with a single family home. So that's the reason why we're also looking at commercial multifamily. Yeah, I like your uh, your comparison there to affecting one person's life, making one person's living situation better to affecting 100. Everybody talks about scale. Obviously, doing one single family project at a time takes a long time. Doing 100 units takes about the same time. And everybody talks about that, but you can affect 100 lives quicker than you can just do one. So I love that. I also really like that you're talking. A lot of people talk about real estate and they want to get out of your W-2. And I don't sense that's really your goal right away. Um, of course, you probably eventually want to get out of it. But it sounds like you're doing well now. You want to keep doing well in your W-2. And you're building this other business here on the side. Um, I love that. I love people who love their jobs, want to keep their job, but also want to build another stream. At, at the same time, you know, in the job, it depends what job you have as well. In my job, I'm, I'm fortunate to be working in R&D, like research and development department. And that's why I did research, because the goal, if you can improve the life, working on new technology that can help people, yeah. that has also an impact on people, right? I mean, uh, without disclosing what I'm doing, I mean, we work on some technology that are helping people people you know so that's uh that's also fulfilling in a sense you know it's a different approach uh
So yes, related to to my W two, I think you know it's another way to to find something fulfilling because I'm I'm fortunate to work in an R and D department, research and development. That's why actually I did research, and we develop some technology that have a positive impact on people's life on different aspects. I can't talk in detail about what it is, but it's also something pretty fulfilling. It's a different dimension, different approach, obviously, um, but it's it's rewarding too. So that's why I like doing both in parallel. Obviously, it's demanding because by day, I'm working on this, uh, on my job. And by the evening, usually, I work on my real estate kind of entrepreneur life. So it's kind of two lives. Plus, with the kids, it's almost three lives. But yeah. That's long, long days you've got there as you've got W-2, side hustle, and then family, too. That's a lot to cram in a day. Right. Yeah. It's, um, it's tough to keep your sanity, but we try. Yeah. Now, if you're passionate about what you do, it makes it easier, though. So it sounds like you are on all fronts. I'm sure you're passionate about your family. I know you're passionate about real estate. And it sounds like you're passionate about your W-2. So life is good. Yeah. Yeah. It's good to to be busy, I guess. Yeah. Um, Real quick, Cedric, could you give our listeners some advice of how to avoid a bad deal? So maybe things you've seen when analyzing property, whether it's analyzing single families to buy or analyzing a limited partnership or being a KP in a deal, what do you look at to make sure you avoid a bad deal? So, uh, well, a lot of things, I guess. Um, So your goal should be try to be as thorough as you can. So your goal is to kill the deal, right? And if you can't, well, that's really worth looking into it, right? So different criteria. So first, the market is going to be important, like several metrics you need to take into consideration. So without spending too much time on that, you want to look at the the job growth, the population, um, uh, the net migration, things like that. Um, at the same time, if you look at after a neighborhood, like you want to go like one level deeper, right? So you want to look at where you're investing. So several things to look at in consideration. So maybe one first key takeaway would be don't dive right away into the numbers. Like, I mean, it's good to have a really quick overview about the numbers, but at the same time, you want to do your due diligence around. So for instance, if you look at a property, you want to look at the flood zone, right? You go on the FEMA website, you look at that, you look at the crime uh, report. You look at median income. It's important, right? Because a lot of people, when they do their performa, their project, oh, we can maybe increase rent, this and there. Well, are you targeting the right community for that? So that's actually, that's one of big thing I see in the deals I'm looking at, uh, where sometimes you look at some performas and say, oh, you can do this the scenario with this property. Well, not really. Uh, like for instance, I'm, I was looking at a property recently where, uh, it was suggested to increase the rent to a certain number. Yes, okay, you could. But when you look at the median income for some of the people living there, it looks like they won't be able to afford that. So unless you are able to reposition, attract people from different places, that might take more time. So it's something you have to consider. So I would say that's a big takeaway. It's not because you think you can increase the rent, for instance. You want to be careful. You look at the demographic, right? Another one, too, you have to be careful is, okay, you are able to increase the rent. But now, are you competing or not with the median um, uh, price for, an, for a house? Because sometimes people would say, okay, now I could actually afford to get a loan on a house, especially with the interest rates so low. So maybe it's not worth it for me to rent. And some people sometimes don't look at that. They say, oh, yeah, you can increase. Yeah, they can afford. And now they're looking at different products. So you're yeah. competing with something else. Right? 
Um, and do your due diligence for sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's so many things you need to look at. I mean, the edge of the property, depending where they are, you, you need to look at some specific things. So if they are pretty old, uh, looking at the market cycle, you know, so a lot of people, commercial multifamily say, okay, we're going to do this plan. Like, okay, we do that. Refi in two years, resell in five years or whatever. Yes. But when you resell, uh, where are you? Like, are you, what part of the market cycle are you? Are you in a buyer market or a seller market? So maybe you want to wait a little bit further to be maybe in a seller market or not. So you really need to consider what's the market cycle. I think that's an important one as well. People don't look at enough, I would say. And um, stick to your number, I would say. So make sure you come up with what are your criteria uh, and stick to that. And then have some flexibility. Discuss with mentors, people who have experience as well. I mean, you don't have to reinvent the wheel and to be by yourself. Uh, real estate is actually a teamwork. Um, you have to be a team player. Mm-hmm. You cannot succeed by your own. You would be foolish to think so. I mean, some people may, but I don't think so. I think they are hiding what other people are doing to get all the credit. I'm not sure. Uh, but stick to your number and don't be emotional. It's a tough one because you see something you like, property to be great. Well, the number don't fit. And we are all the same. We say, well, maybe if I, if I maybe do something here, the number are going to fit eventually. But then after you can be in really in, in trouble. And uh, maybe the last one I can mention, which is relevant to, to Texas, I would say, when you do your assessment, especially on commercial multifamily, uh, when you look at property tax, really, really pay attention to this. I've seen recently some people uh, looking at the property tax and, and did some homework. I mean, they talked to some of the, um, the inspector from the appraisal, the appraiser, I would say. They called the, the office and wanted to get some information about the property and based on what they heard, they say, well, they're not going to increase necessarily. They did a revaluation last year on the property. But guess what? I mean, in Texas, they do that every year. And the, the yeah. person was not from Texas, but they do that every year. And I've heard some really bad, horrible surprise when people look at property tax. So you, this year, year zero, the current owner pays a certain amount. Year one, some people have seen the tax increase by 40%. Wow. So it's, when, if you haven't, Counted that in your budget and you estimate in your projections, projections, you're in trouble, right? So the tax, I've tried to be conservative with this because that can be a big, big, uh, you can have a big discrepancy there. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's smart to always assume that property taxes are going to go up because they, they don't ever go down. So make sure you assume they're not staying the same or not going down. Right. Probably be in a safe spot. Hey guys, this is Jordan Moorhead here, and I wanted to ask if you could do a huge favor for me. If you could go leave a review for this podcast wherever you're listening to it, that would really help me get this into the hands of other people that are interested in information about Austin real estate investing, and I'd be able to help more people. Thanks, guys. And some people actually use, I mean, in tax, I mean, Texas, we do like the tax protest. I mean, oh, you yeah. can do that. I wouldn't, I mean, it's good. I would consider that as a bonus. I wouldn't rely that, rely on this to make sure you number works right it's kind of the cherry on the cake if it works good for you it should work without doing this sure my approach yeah and for everybody listening if you haven't protested your taxes probably something to look into a lot of the times you can save a lot of money just by doing a quick tax protest and there's lots of firms out there that will help you deal with it and get paid in the end if they're successful so it's worth trying all right uh cedric What's one thing you'd tell newer investors looking to get started in real estate investing in the Austin area? 
don't get discouraged. <laughs> and uh, it's a, it's a hot market, right? Literally and figuratively, uh, a lot of people are coming here. It's one, it's number one market, depending who you, you talk to and what source you do look at. Uh, the real estate is insane right now. Whatever, what, whatever type of asset you invest in, from single family home to anything else, right? I mean, the pricing, everything on the market, it's a bidding war. Uh, I heard people are bidding uh, as well on, on rent, so, which is kind of crazy. So I would say go methodically, stick to your approach. It can be frustrating. Um, don't hesitate to look at other markets if needed as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, build connections. Uh, people are in market. Understand really, really your market pretty well. The dynamic, what's going on, where are the hot spots? What is coming up? Look at the trend, the economic trend as well. That can help you to anticipate what's going to happen, right? Um, and yeah, collaboration, networking, uh, put some solid, realistic criteria. So don't be afraid to get vetted by other investors. And yeah, be open and and grind. You know, that's uh, that's what I would say. Yeah, yeah, being consistent, not getting discouraged, are really big in this market right now. So. Yeah, it's, it's a tough one. I know actually some people who have been investing for a while who start looking somewhere else. They say, I mean, the numbers, I mean, it's hard to find something. The numbers is difficult now, right? I mean, it's not easy. It's not easy. So, yeah. What was your first investment and would you recommend that others do that the same way? Uh, so... You know what? I mean, for the investors, so my first investment was a single family home, a rental in uh, Leander, for people who know uh, Austin in the MSA. Mm-hmm. Um, we bought a, a brand new house, single family home, three bedroom, oh. two and a half bath. Um, I think one thing to do is to really look at the opportunities. So we had, it was a three bedroom, and there was a huge den on the second story. And we decided to build a fourth bedroom. There was enough space is to add fuel and to make a decent size bedroom. Mm-hmm. And that helps you to increase your cash flow, right? I mean, you still have the same surface, same, I mean, f- footprint, I would say. But now you have four bedroom and you want to make sure that you target the right market as well too. So people are looking for that. Um, so look at the, even value add, even for new product, right? You can always find something to do. And would I recommend to do this? I think it really depends on your goal. I think a lot of people think okay maybe and that's what that's what i started how i started as well like you say i'm going to start with a small like single family home and maybe after duplex triplex to go like slowly getting up to the commercial multifamily i think if you're doing your due diligence and taking time to educate yourself i think you could jump directly into commercial multifamily if it's something you are interested in it's a lot of work there's a lot to learn but again you need to find the proper partners do your due diligence and what we talked earlier, I think there's a lot of work to do, no question. Uh, but the return of effort, uh, I think it's going to be overall in the long term less, or maybe similar to what you do on the single family home. And then you have this, the, the economy of scale as well. So there's some advantage there. Um, so I would say be open to that and, and look at really something that really appeals to you, right? I mean, it can be self-storage. I'm interested actually in self-storage or uh, residential assisted living, right? If you believe into the product you are going after, that will make your life easier, right? If you try to just get to a product because your goal is to say, oh, I want to make that much money at the end, that's not going to work. Um, one of my, um, I'm part of a 
a coaching program, Jake and Gino, if you know. Them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, and uh, pretty nice. And, and Gino say, uh, fall in love with the process, not the results. And that's totally true. I mean, like, like, likes first what you're doing and the result will come. Don't look at the results first and try to make something work. So whatever speaks to you, you have pros and cons in every type of investment. Um, go for it. I'd say first select something you like a lot because you will require some energy and you will have some up and low. And if you don't believe in it, it's going to be hard. Yeah. Yeah, no, I love your end coaching. I think it really helps to get, get some guidance on some of the bigger stuff if you're trying to get into commercial multifamily or let's say you're looking to get into house flipping or wholesaling whatever you're looking to get into having a roadmap laid out for you can help quite a lot yeah and you know the, the coaching program you know some people say well it's some money spent it can be costly i mean depends where you go sure at the same time it's an investment on yourself right i mean it's not just spending money mm -hmm. you build you add value to yourself on the short term or longer term right so I'm learning a lot through the program. Uh, I think there's a lot of content. Now everything is on the internet, right? So you can eventually find everything potentially, but it's going to take some time. So it depends what your timeline, what you want to achieve as well too. So I know that for me, it has been pretty beneficial. So if something uh, you consider, I mean, yeah, look into that, do your due diligence as well, uh, who you like and, and dive. And if you have any question, I mean, there are so many opportunity resources. I mean, you can reach out as well if you want to talk about that, but. On internet, you can find pretty much everything you need to. Absolutely. Internet is a great tool, especially websites like Bigger Pockets and YouTube and right. all this stuff that has all this free real estate investing information or podcasts. You know, listen to a podcast, listen to multiple podcasts, and you're going to learn so much. But, you know, at some point, I think, you know, what you're talking about, you need to reach out and get coaching if you're looking to get to that next level. Um, speaking of that, and talking about learning and growing, getting to the next level. What's your favorite business or mindset book, Cedric? I know you mentioned Robert Kiyosaki and Brandon Turner, but what's your favorite book that you like to recommend to people looking to get started? So, so for me, uh, well, business book. I would say, I mean, first mindset. I think the mindset is, is everything. Mm -hmm. uh, if you don't have the mindset, you won't succeed. Uh, and that's something you need to work on. Uh, maybe it's natural for some people, but I think it's a constant work on ourselves. There's constant improvement. So definitely Rich Dad Poor Dad uh, has been really a, a big ha moment for me um, on the mindset. Uh, the next one, I would say, I really like the one thing from uh, uh, Gary Keller, who is actually in, uh, in Austin, right? Keller Williams' company. Yeah. Um, I really like the way he described the book. It's more like a mindset approach, also related to real estate. I really like the way he writes and the, the simple ideas and drafts he has. Um, pretty neat. Um, what else? Um, crushing it in um, uh, commercial... Uh, multifamily, sorry, I'm just blinking on the title from Brian Murray. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's a good one because you can really see how someone super successful uh, and crushing it pretty literally I've started and how, what is approach and you can relate to him when you're at the beginning of your journey, right? You say he was a guy like a normal guy, right? With doubt, not knowing what he was doing, asking questions. So you can really see that because a lot of these people, you look at them 
they're on the pedestal. They are statue like they are God. And you say, oh my gosh, how do you become these guys, right? And I like the book actually with Brian because he can really he help you, he guide you step by step to see how he approach things. I think that's a good one. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Um, you have Ken McElroy as well as some good one, the ABC of real estate, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, that's what I would recommend, I think, for now. I mean, there are more, but yeah, awesome. just a few of them. We will make sure we put those in the show notes, guys. Um, Cedric, how can people get a hold of you if they want to reach out and learn more about what you're doing? So I'm on LinkedIn. You can find me there. Uh, spend some time there. I think it's a good platform to connect with uh, people on a business level. Uh, I'm on Facebook. I don't spend that much time on Facebook. I guess maybe I'm too old for that. I don't know. I should maybe <laughs> work on this. Uh, I'm on Instagram as well. So Cedric.33. And uh, my website is coming soon, actually. I'm, I'm, uh, I've started to do something, but now I'm kind of revamping it. So uh, there will be some uh, a website coming to be uh, related to what you see there, ChemDocs Partners. Because uh, we're uh, doctor in chemistry, so that's how we started. Um, but yeah, it's coming soon. So if you want to get some information, reach out to me and uh, I can keep you posted. Awesome. Sounds good. And Cedric, last question here is the most important question we ask. What is your favorite restaurant in Austin? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, I don't know. It depends on your mood, I guess, right? Um, actually, one actually that I was really surprised and impressed was it's a Brazilian, it's SP Steakhouse. I would say it's a Brazilian steakhouse um, toward Big Cave. Um, and that's a restaurant, actually. I can tell you the story. It's pretty interesting, actually. Um, I was looking for a restaurant to go on a, on a Friday night for, for a date with my wife. And uh, I started to do that at the last minute. Um, and uh, I looked at it a Friday afternoon and I found this restaurant open. And it has very good reviews on the web. And I said, okay, let's try it. And they had tables. Um, it was really in, um, in the middle of COVID, I would say, where they actually limit the capacity of people, you know, into the restaurant. Still, Friday night, I found some spot like three hours down the road. I mean, I, I could do wow. something. When there, the restaurant actually has a label uh, saying voted one of the top 50 restaurants in the U.S. It looks like something pretty official. Wow. And I, that was actually the best Brazilian restaurant I've tried so far. Um, I mean, I've tried several. I'm not an expert in Brazilian restaurant. But to be honest, I was really impressed. Like the quality of the food, the meat, I love meat. And uh, we had like 13, 14 dishes. I mean, typical in Brazilian, but really tender. I Really good experience if you like meat, I would say. That's a good one. Um, I don't know. There was one I liked in the past called uh, Vox. I think it closed. That was a kind of uh, modern American restaurant. Uh, pretty good. Uh, and some of the, I like some of the steakhouse. I like... I like to go sometime to Jake Allen as well. Um, I think it's, I like the atmosphere there. And, um, I like to go to some brewery and distillery. I have quite a lot where I live and uh, I like to, to go to uh, try some local products too. Yeah, thank you. Well, we'll make sure we get all that in the show notes too, guys. Um, Cedric, thank you so much for coming on here today. And again, if anybody wants to reach out to Cedric, you can find him on social media and keep in touch with him. His website will be out soon. Yeah, thank you very much, Alain, for having me. It was a pleasure. Thank you.